0: So let's start the third bracha. Someone right? So we're on page 102 or in English 103, and we read: Ata Kadosh, Mishimcha Kadosh, Ukadoshim lechal Yom Sala. You are holy, your name is holy, and holy ones praise you every day forever. Right? Sala forever. Baruch Hashem, Hakal, Hakadosh. Blessed are You Hashem, the Holy God. Okay. We see over here three different times the word kadosh used in very close proximity. The first kadosh that we're referring to, you are holy, is a reference to the fact that Hashem is holy. What's interesting is the word holy means to be separated, be far, be far away, right? Be removed. When we say atah, you are holy. We don't say Hashem holy. We don't say like God is holy, right? We say you are holy. So we're saying you. At the same time, as we're saying, holy. So we saw in the Kuzari, I mentioned this last week, but I think it appears repeating because it's such an important point, something that also is relevant to the life Maybe if you have some time, we'll get into that as well. The first two blessings of Shimon and are all about how Hashem interacts with the world in a very, very tangible way. Right, The fact that Hashem is the God who appeared to Abraham, the God who appeared to Isaac, the God who appeared to Jacob, the God who created everything, the God who sustains everything. Right, These are all about how God is intimately connected in a very physical tangible sense to this world. We talk about the the keys to everything in this world. He sustains this. He causes the rain. He resuscitates the dead. He heals the sick. All the ways in which Hashem is very connected to this world. But then we immediately segue from there. Don't make the mistake of thinking now that you have a deep and comprehensive understanding of what God is. You are not even close to understanding what God is. So we say the Atta, you, who we've just been describing in the first two blessings, Kadosh, is very holy and very removed. Then we go right back and say, "Vishimcha Kadosh," and your name is holy. I you mean, your name is holy. What, what what exactly does that mean? What what is this reference? To? So there is um, there is uh, a commandment that you're not allowed to curse God, right? <laughs> and I think it's part of the uh, seven uh, no commandments as well, right? So maybe that's uh, related to that. That even your name just the sake of your name is also holy and you're not allowed to you know, use it in vain and all these things. Okay, that's a good answer. That's a good answer also. I like that. There is an association of names with defining characteristics. Right? Where do we see this? First of all, the actual word in Hebrew for name is shame. What else is associated with those two letters? Shin, mem, Sham What is shum? Shum means there. In other words, you're pointing to a defined characteristic or pointing to a defined uh, being by saying Shem there, you're able to point to it, right? That means by definition there's something defined about it. In addition, where do we first see names being described in the Torah? We see Hashem says Adam and Chava, right? Actually Adam first, right? Hashem calls Adam because he comes from the Adamah. In other words, it is a name that defines this being by what sort of the physical in this case, somewhat a physical makeup, Right, the actual physical makeup of this individual—that's what defines his name. Then we are told that Adam is looking at all of the creatures, right, and he is defining them. He's giving them names, right? Adam gives them names because he's defining what their essences are. So when we talk about the names of Hashem, what we really mean to say is characteristics of Hashem in which he interacts with the world, in which we are able to define, to a, some very basic, rudimentary kind of level, something about the nature of Hashem. Okay, so being able to point that this is a characteristic of Hashem. That in itself is being able to define him, right? So on the one hand, we're saying Hashem is far removed from this world. On the other hand, we're saying we recognize that when you interact with the world, what we call a shame, because to be a little bit more clear about that, when we see the hand of Hashem in judgment, we call that one name of Hashem. We see the hand of Hashem in mercy, we call that other names of Hashem. One of the names of Hashem that is a reference to mercy is HaKel, right? The Hey Aleph Lamed at the end of this blessing. That's one of the names of Hashem that is associated with supreme kindness, supreme mercy, right? The Hashem Rachaman, right? The God of Rachamim, the God of compassion, okay? So that is a name of Hashem that refers to his compassion. In addition, in Bircha HaSatora, every morning, what we say is that we should all come to know your name, right? Your names, right? Yodei Shimecha. We're making a blessing about saying the, the blessing for learning Torah, and we say, all of us will come to know your name. What does that mean? Right? What, what does that have to do with what, what we're talking about, which is the learning of the Torah? So the Gemara tells us that all of the words of the Torah are the names of Hashem. Are you talking about the words of the Torah, the names of Hashem? What does that even mean? Like what, what exactly are you talking about? So there's Kabbalistic ideas to express over here. But the the simpler understanding is like this. When we talk about a name, like we said before, talking about a name really is another way of trying to define something, something about an individual, right? You know, we only started needing last names over the last couple of hundred years when people started interacting with many, many, many different people. Before that, they would say, your first name was sufficient. And sometimes they would say, your first name plus your father's name. You never really need to say anything more than that. That would be how you define the individual. Then at some point, we started to find them as we have to say, if more than one individual has the same first name and same father's name, so how are you going to define them as separate? Now you started saying, well, this one's the blacksmith with that name, and this one's the silversmith with that name, right? And so on and so forth, right? So so the, the names really define individuals, and they get to something that is unique about that person. When we talk about trying to define God, one of the most important things that we can define relating to God is what it is that God wants from us in this world. So when we look at the Torah and we see this is God wants us to do these 613 commandments. God wants us to act like him in these ways, wants us not to act in these ways, right? So that's a way of defining the will of God. That gives us insight into who and what the true nature of God is. So that's how we're able to describe the words in the Torah. As being the names of Hashem. Okay, so when we talk about that the Shimcha Kadosh and your name is holy, it's really in terms of saying we recognize that the same way the Atta Kadosh, the Kadosh that is far above any conception that we can possibly have, is removed, even the Shimcha Kadosh, even the names of Hashem, i.e., the ways in which you relate to the world, that we also recognize is completely holy as well. Okay, so. What is the third, the third Kadosh? The third Kadosh is, And the, the holy ones, the angels, they are able to become closer to Hashem, are closer than we're able to come. And they are also, those are, those are also Kadosh. Those are also considered to be holy people. And they praise your name, right? And each and every day, they praise you from now and forever. That's the third reference to kadosh. Let's see this. Let's see this, right? So it says over here. It says, you shall be holy. For I your God, am holy. Let me ask you something. Just because our creator is holy, why is that original we should be holy? Maybe we don't have the capacity to be holy. What's the connection over here? In other words, God is the king. God is the king. You should be kings because I am the king. That doesn't, that doesn't work out, right? So just because God has certain characteristics doesn't mean that we automatically have those same characteristics because he is our creator. So why are we saying you shall be holy because I am holy. You shall be a king because I am a king. That's not true. It doesn't always fall. It doesn't always fit, right? But the difference is that we are created in his telling. So we are in one aspect like him. Exactly. Exactly. So, so as she is right. So the concept being like this, the reason why we need to be holy, the reason why we need to be able to remove ourselves from this world. We do have that. We, we have that capacity. It's, we cannot say, Hey, listen, I'm a very physical being. You created me very physical and that's your problem. And you gave me an impossible task. The answer is we have what is called we have a portion of God from on high within us, right? We have something within us that is exactly Similar to God, and has the capacity to remove itself from the the physical realities of this world. So, the reason why we um, we finish this blessing by saying "Blessed are You Hashem, the Holy God," right? And we use this name of Hashem, Hakel, Hakadosh, right, which means the merciful God, is because what we're trying to express is that the reason why we are holy is because in Your great mercy. You granted us the greatest gift possible. The greatest gift possible is not the gift of life. The greatest gift possible is the fact that we have a soul and that we can elevate ourselves over the physical. That's the greatest thing that Hashem has done the most merciful thing that Hashem has done. So the reason why we have the capacity to be holy is because Hashem granted us that capacity by giving us a portion of himself. Right? To me, this is a, it's a crazy idea every time I hear it, every time I think about it, the idea that we have a part of God within us absolutely absolutely insane so that that's what kadosh that's the emphasis of this bracha, is about saying kadosh shimcha kadosh and the holy ones praise you every day which typically is not a reference to to us but what we finish with is you are the kalha kadosh because precisely because you have granted us this capacity to engage with kadusha as well to become more holy as well um, i want i want to go to uh to kadusha now right to the in the Chazan's repetition, right, the kedusha that we say. Yeah, it's separate me It seemed like you skipped the kedusha. Oh, there it is. Right, 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 right. I sound first. Yeah, so I'm on page one hundred, right? So kedusha is what we say during the Hazaras right? Now, Hazaras can only be said, Hazaras literally means the repetition of the shat, which is a abbreviation for Shliach Tzibur, right, the representative of the community. So during the Hazaras which was implemented originally as a means to ensure that people who don't have the capacity to say Shmona Esra on their own, can now listen carefully as someone, as the reader, the Shmona Esra, right? And then through their listening and their intention the concentration on the words and focus that they're saying, they will fulfill their mitzvah of, of saying shema as well. During the Chazar shatz, we have this repetition, and we say over this uh, process of where the Chazan says one word, and we say another, and, and another phrase, and we say these words. What's this all about? And what's this concept? So in general, Kedush is very holy. How do you know Kedush is very holy? Because if you're in the middle of the avening, Shema, and the, the, you're, you came to show a little bit late, and you wrote that in Shema, and they get up to Kedusha. You actually have to pause from Shema and, and say Kedusha. So, how do we know this concept? What exactly is this idea? So, let's look at this passage over here. It says, right? You shall not profane my holy name, so that I may be sanctified in the midst of the Jewish people. I Hashem who sanctify you. The Gemara says, we see from this pasik that an individual cannot recite Kedusha alone, as it is stated, and I shall be hallowed among the children of Israel. Any expression of sanctity may not be recited in a forum of fewer than 10 men. What is an expression of sanctity? We say, so Baruchu, right, right after Yishtabach, or Baruchu right before Ma'arid, Kaddish, and Kedusha cannot be recited in a quorum of fewer than 10 men. So the Gemara asks, how is this inferred from that verse? Where do you see from Nikdash li Betoch Israel? How do you see 10? And how do you see 10 men? The Gemara responds, this must be understood in light of a bright that which was taught by Rav Noi, the brother of Rabbi Chiavra It is inferred by means of a verbal analogy, Zei Shava, between the words among, among, B'toch B'toch. Here it is written "b'nikdashdi b'toch b'nei Yisrael," and there, regarding Korach's congregation, it is written mitoch ha'eda hara hazot." Just as there, when we said "mitoch" from amongst, it connotes ten. So, to here, among of the "b'nikdashdi b'toch b'nei Yisrael," ten. Right? It's a fascinating idea. The the xayah between two like you could not get more more separated type ideas right. I'm gonna read you guys in a second. Okay, it says in in 16:21 by midbar 16:21 like this. There's actually many men over there, right? These are the they're all bringing their fire pans, right? And they're they're testing Hashem to so which fire pan will Hashem end up listening to, right? What will, will Hashem turn to other the 250 or Aaron, right? So it says, "Vayyedaber speaks to Moshe and Aaron, saying, "He Remove yourselves from this congregation. Ba'achala karaga, and I will, you know, um, uh, swallow them up." At evidence, right? Now, how do you know that that's ten? We have no reason to believe that that's ten. So how do you get to ten? Well, the answer is that it also says in one one parsha earlier when we're talking about the. Story of the Melaghlin, what we say is, <inaudible> Up until when will this evil congregation be? And the congregation over there is referring to the ten spies. So we see that Ada is associated with Ada, congregation associated with ten. And then over here it says, <inaudible> Remove yourselves from among this congregation. So that congregation, congregation, 10-10 Toch, toch to the case of to teach you that you need 10 people for Dabr Kedusha. Pretty fascinating that the source for why you need 10 people for Dabr Sheva is derived from here. And we've discussed it in the past, but it bears repeating. This, of course, is the reason why it has to be men specifically to constitute the 10 people for the purposes of reciting these Hadish, uh, Kedusha, Hazar Sashat, Laini. The reason why it has to be 10 men minimum right? To do these things. Why can it be men and women mixed together? Well, the reason is because the entire purpose is as an atonement for these two incidents, right? And the incident of the spies and the incident of, the, of, um, of Korach. And the men were involved in both of these incidents, women were not. So men require the atonement process, women do not. And that's why the Torah specifically decides to learn the 10 from the 10 wicked people over there, so why we need ten righteous people in the case of, of, of creating this um, wiping clean the slate of process, right? So what's interesting is the idea of kedusha, right? So we have kedusha, which means by definition, when we say this a, a devil of kedusha, an expression of sanctity, right? An expression of sanctity is when we publicly sanctify Hashem's name, right? So what we're really saying is we're saying Hashem is holy. What is that exactly when we we'll say Hashem is holy? Whether we say, Hashem blessed is, the, is Hashem who is blessed, right? Or come with me and bless Hashem who is blessed. And the response to that is, blessed is Hashem, the blessed one from now and forever. What are we really saying? We're really, it's a call to action. It's a call that we should start living our lives of being more holy because we recognize we have a part of God from us within us and if God is holy. We ought to be more holy. So, therefore, we need 10 people for that. What is the source for that? It says, Remove yourselves from the congregation. The idea of being removed sometimes from evil people. That's how you make yourself holy. But it's not about being removed from evil people. It's really about being removed from evil action. We're put into this world, to make ourselves holier, we make the world an elevated place to make ourselves more elevated. And the way that we do that is sometimes by removal. So, the concept of well, how do you know that it has to be 10 for this sake? Well, it has to be 10 because in both of these cases, what we're talking about is removing ourselves from evil. And the association is 10, were evil. And therefore, the contrast is that we have to be 10 to make ourselves more holy. By saying, "We shall sanctify your name in this world, just as we sanctify it in heaven above, as it is written by your prophet. And one angel will call another and say, holy, holy, holy is Hashem, master of legions, the whole world is filled with his glory. So we've discussed this in the past, the concept of the, the inherent contradiction over here. On the one that we're saying, holy, 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 removes, removes, removed is Hashem. And then we say, but the whole world is filled with his glory. Well, is he removed or not? Well, the answer is the middle, the middle line right there. We say Hashem Tzivakot, right? Which means master of legions. The legions are those who fulfill his will both the angels, the world, and the, the people who are doing what Hashem wants. So, Although Hashem is holy, 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 the whole world is still filled with His glory. What do we mean by His glory? We mean when, when we are accomplishing God's will, when the angels are accomplishing God's will, when the world is accomplishing God's will, that itself is His glory. But of course, Hashem Himself, His essence, His true essence, is far removed from what we can understand. This is what the angels themselves said to Hashem. This is quoting a verse in Isaiah. When Isaiah goes up to heaven, this is what he hears the angels saying to each other. Those facing them say, blessed. Blessed is the glory of Hashem from his place. This is quoting verses in Ezekiel. Also, in other words, what we're starting by saying is, we wish to sanctify you, O God. Right? And the way that we do that is by quoting what the angels do when they are sanctifying Hashem. And in your holy writings, the following is written. Hashem shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Hallelujah. So we are really saying we want to sanctify Hashem the same way that the angels want to sanctify Hashem. Right? And we're going to do the best that we can to sanctify Hashem to the greatest, greatest possibility. Now the angels are created holy. We're not created holy. We have to choose to live our lives in the holy. That's, of course, the struggle, but that's also the fulfillment. Um, I want to finish with, uh, I want to spend a little bit of time. Rabbi David Foreman spoke at, uh, on Wednesday night at the Michael Omer party. And he said a, a really fascinating idea about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Let's see if we can try to give it over quickly. Uh, let me open up the Gemara that he's analyzing. So the Gemara, interestingly enough, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is a great Tanna, and as we know, he is one of the five remaining students or five new students of Rabbi Akiva. And the reason why he is so famous is because he—I mean, we think of it as being the Gemara doesn't really focus on that so much, but it, what we talk about is his ability to reveal to the world the hidden parts of the Torah. The day he was going to die, he told his students, if I am not to reveal to the world the Torah that my portion is to reveal, I will be in deep trouble when I go up to heaven. And therefore he started teaching about these hidden secrets of the Torah. Now, interestingly enough, Lag Ba'Omer and the Gemara that describes the most famous story about Rosh is on Lag, right, page 33, the talmud right it's not really such a big deal though because this is only going to have been true for the last hundred or so years when um when the when we have the vilna shas okay it's like this the gemara tells us the story there he goes let's see the gemara relates and this resulted due to an incident that took place when Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon were sitting. Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Shimon son of converts sat beside. Them. Rabbi Yehuda opened and said, "How pleasant! Oops, How pleasant are the actions of this nation, the Romans, as they established marketplaces, established bridges, and established bathhouses." Rabbi Yossi was silent. So Rabbi Yehuda says the Romans are good. Rabbi Yossi doesn't say anything. Rabbi Shimon Yehuda responded and said, "Everything that they established, they established only for the Romans." Established marketplaces to place prostitutes in them, bathhouses to pamper themselves, and bridges to collect taxes from all the Passover. the son of converts, went and related their statements to his household. The statements continued to spread until they were heard by the monarchy. The ruled and said, Yehudah who elevated the Roman reign, shall be elevated and appointed the head of the sages, the head of the speakers in the place. Yazzi, who remained silent, shall be exiled from his home in Judea as punishment and sent to the city of Tori in the Galilee. Simon, who denounced the government, shall be killed. What exactly is the dispute over here? Rabbi Yehuda says, listen, let's focus on what the Romans are doing that's helping us in our daily life. And ultimately, they have created an infrastructure that helps us. And Rabbi Shimon says, we don't look at what the creation was. We look at the, what the motivations was and what the intentions were. Rabbi Yehuda is a very pure individual. And therefore, he says, this is not pure. They didn't do it for you at all. They're sick people. They're sick individuals. And therefore, we cannot be happy about it. Rabbi Huda and his son Rabbi Elazar went and hid in the study hall. Every day Rashim's wife would bring them bread and a jug of water, and they would eat when the decree intensified Rabishim said to his son, Women are easily impressionable. And therefore there is room for concern lest the authorities torture her and she reveal our wearer back. They went and they hid in a cave. A miracle occurred, and that carob tree was created for them as well as a spring of water. How do you say carab in Hebrew? Karov, right? They would remove their clothes and sit covered in sand up to their necks. They would study Torah all day in that manner. At the time of prayer, they would dress, cover themselves, and pray, and they would again remove their clothes afterwards so that they would not become tattered. But then in the cave for 12 years, Elijah the prophet came instead at the entrance of the cave and said, Who will perform? Bar Yochai, emperor, died. His decree has been abrogated. They emerged from the cave and saw people who were plowing and sowing. Rishiman Bar Yochai said these people abandoned internal life, Torah study, and engaged in temporal life for their own sustenance. more relates that every place that and his son Rabbi Elezer, directed their eyes and were immediately burned. Directed their eyes was immediately burned. The divine verse, voice emerged and said to them, Did you emerge from the cave in order to destroy my world? Return to your cave. They again went and sat for 12 months. They said, The judgment of the wicked in Gehenim lasts for 12 months. Surely their sin was atoned in that time. The divine voice emerged and said to them, Emerge from your cave. They emerged everywhere. The Rabbi Elizer would strike, every Shimon would kill. The Shimon said to Rabbi Elezer, My son, you and I suffice for the entire world. The two of us are engaged in the proper study of Torah. The whole story is a very enigmatic story important to know it's like this. I'll go through a couple of questions. Why specifically a carob tree springs up to support them? Why are they in this cave for a 12-year month period, twelve year period of time? They come out, they start burning everything by looking. And wherever they look, things start burning up. Right? They go back for 12 months and then they come back out. But Eleazar is still burning things up wherever he looks. He's saying people are wasting their lives by focusing on physical nature of this world. They should not focus on the physical nature of this world. They can live like we did. They can live in this incredibly high plane where you can be living buried in sand and Hashem will take care of you. You'll have everything that you need. You won't even have the clothes on your back, right? You'll be literally sitting naked in sand, right? Like reminiscent of a dead body, completely negating your physicality. But you'll have a spring that will spring up next to you and take care of you. And you have a and you have a, a carob tree that will spring up that will support you, sustain you. Right. So that's that's what's gonna happen in this world, if you wish. But Rabbi Elezer still has this attitude after 12 months, Rabbi Shimon has now healing it. And Rabbi Shimon says, listen, you and I are the individuals who are going to sustain the entire world because we're living our lives in the right place. As the sun was setting on Shabbat Eve, they saw an elderly man who was holding two bundles of myrtle branches and running at twilight. He said to him, why do you have these? He said to them, in honor of Shabbat. He said to him, and let one suffice. He answered them, one is corresponding to remember the Shabbos to keep it holy. One is corresponding to remember the Shabbos uh, observe the Shabbos day to keep it holy, right? Zachar is Yom HaShabbos, Shamar is Yom Shimon said to his son, See, a beloved, the mitzvahs are to Israel. Minds were put at ease and they were no longer as upset that people were not engaged in Torah's life. So, have a foreman wanted to suggest like this What is this idea that everywhere they look, their eyes are burning? What does this mean? What, what, what type of light is it that goes out from your eyes and burns up the physicality? He wanted to say, when you think about the creation of the world, what's the first thing that Hashem created? Very first thing, light, the very first thing that Hashem created, right? But then he had to hide that light. Now, why did he have to hide that light? Because that light was so spiritual, it was on such a high spiritual plane that it would have negated any physicality that we have in this world. We no longer would have had a yetzer hara, we no longer would have had proper bishira. So therefore, Hashem has to hide that light. Hashem and his son come out of the cave and they are on such a high plane that they have been elevated to the same level as let's say Adam HaRishon. And therefore, wherever they look, they are spreading this fire, this light from Hashem. They're actually now, they, that light is resting on them and they actually spread it wherever they look. And once they spread it wherever they look, everything is burning, right? Because the physicality is not relevant anymore. But the heavenly voice says, go back into the cave. I didn't tell you to do that. Physicality is relevant to us. They come back out after 12 months. So Abishim Re'echai is like, listen, it is what it is. Everyone else, they don't deserve to live. Everyone else is doing the wrong thing. But don't worry about burning up their property. You and I, our merit will sustain the entire world. But his son is still burning everything. They're not happy with the world, but they're coming to a grudging acceptance and reluctantly accepting what the world is all about in the nature as it exists today. But really, that fire still is there. The fire is still there. Eleazar, his son, fire is still coming out and burning everything. What causes them to stop? They see this guy running and he has two bundles of myrtle branches. Now they get excited. How does that answer the question? Don't be engaged in the physicality. You believe that this world is all fake. This world is all fraud. Do not give up something that is lifetime, a lifetime of forever, right? For some physical pursuits in this world, you're giving up the ability to attain a spiritual happiness that cannot be compared. Your ability to create for yourself a world to come that nothing can compare to, and you're giving it up for some physical pursuits in this world? That wasn't answered up until now. They said, okay, fine, we're the only ones who are living our lives properly. But they see this man running with two myrtle branches and now everything is good. What, what's the idea? What's the idea. So if the first thing that Hashem created in this world was light, what's the final thing that Hashem created in this world? I don't think, the final thing that Hashem created seven days of creation. Shabbos. Right? Shabbos is described as the final thing that Hashem created. Right? So, what's the idea of Shabbos? Let's say, you know, in Shul this past week, someone said he wants Lagba B'Omer to be every day of the year. Now He had a pretty silly reason for that. The reason is because then you don't say Tachanun. You don't want to have to say Tachanun, you don't say Tachanun on Lagba Umar. Um Obviously, that wouldn't mean anything. If Omer is every day of the year. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have any significance anymore. The fact that we have Shabbos once a week, Only makes sense if you create the rest of the week. So you're engaged in the physical world six days of the week. Completely engaged. On the seventh day, you rest. But it only makes sense to say I'm going to rest as part of the process. Because Hashem said, this is what I want in this world. I don't want that light to be there the whole time. That you never have any evil desire. Never have an evil inclination. That I don't want. What I want is two different types of days. I want days in which you're more engaged in the physical process. And then I want one day a week to keep you engaged and keep you remembering that really the purpose of life is not about the physical creation. The purpose of life is about Torah, it's about mitzvot. It's about engaging with the godly. But that's not my, the plan is not to do that always. The plan is to do that some of the time. So when he sees this old man who's running, the Shabbos is coming and how connected he is to Shabbos. And this might have been exactly that same man who they saw planting beforehand. But they see now that the ultimate reason why he's planting is of course because of how it will help him in his Shabbos service. Now what they recognize is that it's true that this world was created with light in it on the first day. But it's also true that Hashem said that's not the plan. The plan is that the highest aspect of living is going to be Shabbos. Not a life that's all fire, all light where there's no element of physicality at all. There will be elements of physicality. There will also be elements of spirituality. But both of them can coexist. It's not an all or nothing. It's not a binary choice like a zero sum game, as Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai would have us believe. So Rabbi Shimon sees this and says to his son, "You know what? Shabbos is the counter to the light of the first day of creation. The seventh day of creation is what enables us to recognize the purpose of life." I think that's something which I was shown teaches. I think it's an important lesson to learn because when we start off the, the, the Omer, right? we start off the Omer, what are we focused on? We're focused on the fact that we are like animals as we leave Egypt. And as we continue through the Omer, we are elevating ourselves till we're prepared to receive the Torah. But there has to be this understanding that although we're going to be on a very high spiritual plane, we are still engaged with the physical world. We're still engaged with the physical world only insofar as that will help us fulfill our mission and the purpose of existence which is to take the world and make the physical holy so that's what like Bomer is teaching us that's what that's what we share that's the message that he gives the world but only after first coming down from that very high level is he able to recognize that the purpose in this life for most people is to be engaged in the physical world as well have a great job,